Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. I just wanted to um, to take this time just to to share a little bit about our faith rest life and what that looks like. Um, for my birthday last year, Ross bought me a new Bible, and it was the Passion Version. And and in um, in the the in Hebrews Hebrews four, it had this section. Um, the title on it was Faith Rest Life, and I thought that's interesting because those two words they they don't seem to kind of they seem like opposites. How does that go together? And uh, so I just started to study, and I started to read, and I started to look. At, at what those words meant. And uh, I found myself many times I would, uh, when I think of the word rest, I think of uh, holidays, you know, with a deck chair with my name on it and under the palm trees. And just, you know, you get the picture. And But, you know, <laughs> when we all do need times like that. It's very important that we do take regular breaks in order to refresh and each of us refreshes differently. We rest differently. We were talking last night about um, being an extrovert, an introvert, a mild introvert, and a mild extrovert, because we we are, and often we marry opposites, because the opposites do attract you, admire in someone else what you lack in yourself, and and that you become a um, instead of you complete each other, and uh, so that's very much like Ross and I. We we took a month off in May and we travelled around Tasmania, <clears throat> and I um my idea as you can tell is like to go to a tropical island, unpack once, and then just relax and enjoy. Go for strolls on the beach, go for swims, and just you know take your time to refresh, read, and do some activity. His idea is to jump in the car and drive thousands of kilometres up and down hills and around how far we can go in a day and what we can experience. He's always looking for adventures and, uh, and I still, it's nearly 40 years and I'm still getting dragged around Tasmania and, and it's like, oh, look, look, there's um, Cradle Mountain up here. We're just going to hike, you know, like, oh, it's only an hour. And, but it's like this and it's like that and... And um, it was we we did get to see you know we I I did I have a bit of a fear of heights and so I went on two ski lifts right across gorgeous chair lifts right across big open gorges that were you know hundreds of feet down to rocky water and and I I just know that I would never do that without that encouragement and that you know nudge in the right direction and. You know, thankfully we came back in one piece and kids and so you know, like this 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 image of rest, it's far more than just a location. It's far more than than just taking a break. The rest that I want to talk about, it we are spirit, soul and body, that there is a spiritual component to rest. And that rest that we find in God is is what really rejuvenates our spirit and builds us up. So, you know, how do you take a rest when life is full-time and full-on? Parenting is a full-time. It's full-on. Pastoring is leadership is full-time. And then there are many that work full-time and volunteer and serve in the church as well. So we did that for many years too. Like, like life is full-on. 
And um, there are lots of demands on our time, our energy and our resources. And this faith, faith rest life, I like to think of it as a self-care toolbox for, for, um, for life. The truth is we have had to um, – oh, sorry, this, these two words, as I said, they, they seem like um, contradiction – but um, we live in this modern day world and uh, things like traffic, um, you know, how do you live a faith rest life when you've got to negotiate traffic every day? My sister lives in Brisbane and she drives 50 minutes into the city and back out again. I know I'm talking to a lot of country pastors here, but this is how ridiculous it is. <laughs> she commutes into the city and, and she calls... The, uh, depending on when she gets that you crawl along, stop, crawl along, stop, crawl along and stop. And she inches her way home and she does it twice a day. That time as her time. She uses it as her creative time where she listens to podcasts. She will listen to her favourite music. She'll talk and pray and sing and she rings me and we have a laugh. It's her time to unwind. She has a very responsible job in the city as um, one of the leaders of Munya, a big drug and alcohol rehab in, in Christian psychologist. Uh, faith rest life, full, but the truth is some of you also have started this year from the previous year. Others have found the challenges and changes in your workload have uh, required that you to have more... You, of you more effort and more energy and you're not too sure where that energy and effort is going to come from. Just um, the beginning of this year, some of you know, we we sewed, we sent off our son Tim and Lydia his son, into, the, into a city church and um, with us here 18 years and on time and serving um, for years before that and this was a major adjustment for us it was a major adjustment for me having been a hands-on grandmother of these tiny girls to being a visiting grandma and a grandma on um, FaceTime and just only having visits and is this kind of really this took uh, quite a bit of adjustment for all of us but once I got my head around the idea that the truth, I'm going to talk about truth and lies and shadows and how the enemy uses in leadership building, resist the enemy's lies and that the truth was that we were enough for him, He that he grew to a stage where he was um, mature enough to go on to another level of leadership and development that God had planned for him. But it's like as a parent in the moment, it, it can feel like you're not enough. And, and we had to deal with those lies and find the truth and find rest in that situation. And so I was able to process and not um, strive with, um, you know, emotionally feeling completely drained and grieving this. this um, you can easily get stuck in a place of grief when, when you don't process. It really helped me move along. Then we had these four weeks of long service leave where we, we had a lovely time. It was five weeks, but, but uh, four weeks into, it's only three weeks ago now, three weeks and a couple of days, that we woke up to the news, the dreadful news that a mother, 
and uh, that had been coming to our church for um, on and off. Well, she had been, you know, 20 years group, and but 15 years consistently had been coming to our church, and her four young children had been killed in a horrible car crash. And many of you would be aware because this is in our region. And this was a, not just a tragedy for us. And um, the, she had um, joined another church four months prior. But also um, for the local services, for our Department of Families, for our child safety, our local police. And it, for there was multiple layers of grief in our community. Not only grief, but tragic grief. And this, this really, we are still processing this. So if you can, um, excuse me if I have a little cry sometimes, this still raw. And um, we are working with God's grace and I know what has helped. That's my point. I've had to live this sermon for months now from the beginning of the year. And I know that life doesn't stop while you process. <laughs> You've got to keep ministering. You've got to keep giving. You've got to keep parenting as a parent. You know, your kids just don't go away on holidays because you're sick. You know, you've got to keep, get up and get them to school. Life doesn't stop when there's, when there's tragedies like this. So how do we cope? And how do we find rest and faith in the midst of tragedy and loss? And so this is what I found that, um, you know, there is a process involved and there is a, uh, the the coroner will um, you know have their investigations and they'll have their their findings will come out. There was a lot of um, long term mental illness that played a big part in what happened, and um, so how can we? Often, you know, I say to you, we have to live these sermons often um, a long time before we get to speak about them. And, and that's very much how God deals with us as people. You know, we, we can't, um, you know, we can't get up and pretend, <laughs> put on a show, you know. That, and and even, even when we go through painful um, times, you know, to be able to find rest, to, to find the honey, find the presence of God, we're able then to lead others where we've been. And that's my goal today. And that's, that's what I really believe God's doing in us all. So we have, um, we can, how can we have this faith through life when, when life doesn't stop throwing challenges at us? My first point is, number one, look for the honey because it's there. Look for the honey. Psalm 19 and verse 10 says, um, more to be desired um, they are they're then fine gold, yes, uh, then much fine gold, sweeter also than the honeycomb. This is talking about the word of God here, that we join our faith with the word of God. You'll find honey firstly in his word. And that's where um, when we're looking for that encouragement, you're looking for that strengthening and you feel it nourishing me. I can literally feel it building up my spirit and giving hope for the future. In, uh, in Judges um, 14 and uh, verses 5 to 8, Samuel was, um, I won't have the whole passage um, of this up. Um, it's, there's, a, there's a whole story behind Samuel's life and I know that you, you know those stories. But 
Um, the Bible says, One day Samuel encountered a lion. A lion came out and attacked him and he killed it. The Bible says later, sometime later, he went back and he turned aside to see and he looked at the lion's carcass and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped down and um, scooped out the honey with his hands and he ate it as he went along. Now there's a whole story behind this, but there's a lesson here that we can take. When you take time to stop and reflect, you discover honey in your experiences that you can eat and grow stronger and wiser. Um, To find the honey in the carcass, find the honey in the situation that you're experiencing. It takes um, time, it takes, takes a reflective time to, to go and search for it. But it's there and the honey's there for you. It's in his word and it's in the experience of what you, you have, um, your understanding. Point two um, is that reflective thinking gives us the honey. Reflecting um, thinking helps us to put things into perspective when you have uh, times of reflection, give active. And we went in one of these hiking trips. We climbed up um, on top of Wineglass Bay. There was a mountain and looked down. And again, oh, it's only an hour or so. And we climbed and climbed and climbed and twisted and turned and struggled and uh, our way up to the top of this mountain. And sure enough, with a height, you could see the shape out to like um, a, to a, like a little base in the land and there was ocean either side and then there was like cup in the front part. <laughs> we were standing on the top. You could literally see that it was the shape of a wine glass. And, you know, you, when, you, when you have height and, um, and sometimes um, distance, also um, it, it accentuates your appreciation we really missed the church. We were missing people and they were missing us, even though we were having this great time. It was just really nice to, um, to have them say that. <laughs> you know, we really missed you guys. And, and being able to, um, to, you know, sort of take uh, a step back and have a look at your perspective. Height and distance give you perspective. And, but when you take time to reflect you're able to then put things all in perspective just like when you get up high on a mountain you can see the landscape you can see oh that's where it it all makes sense now it was worth climbing up here to see this and uh, you gain new perspective on things that you didn't notice before during times of reflection few of us have clear perspective in the heat of the moment most of us who have survived traumatic experiences usually avoid similar situations. But if you avoid processing your emotions, it leaves you tied up in knots. Reflective thinking enables you to distance yourself from the intense emotions of the experience and see things with fresh eyes. This is God's perspective. This is what he is wanting us to, to do. This part of the emotional baggage. And each of us... Um, have been shaped by our experiences in life, both good and bad. God, but what we refuse to deal with deals with us, often in a harmful way. 
But when we bring them into the light and ask God for his grace to face them, they lose their power over us. And uh, another point on reflection is that uh, point four, it says that um, times of reflection sort out the truth and the lies. I was reading through um, the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19 and Elijah had had this incredible experience at Mount Carmel where he had trumped the the prophets of Baal and and the fire had come down and had licked up the water all around and and he had um, run ahead like he was the he said that there was going to be rain and and um, the just the the size of a man's hand the, the a cloud appeared and he and he ran ahead of the rain and like he was he was in mightily used of God in a powerful place where God had really visited him and and there had been a mighty victory but he was exhausted and he had um, this this moment where he stopped and he heard this negative talk that had come and Jezebel was said that if I you know I'm going to kill you for what you've done and he ran for his life and he became fearful. He had been mightily used to God and he was exhausted and then the enemy attacked. And often that happens to us too. And, you know, that there's there's incredible move of God. Good things are happening. You get to speak. You have a conference. You have a breakthrough. And then wham, the enemy attacks. And you think, well, where did that come from? It's like the lion came out at Samuel, wham, to attack him. And the Spirit of God helped him slay that lion. And, and often this happens, happens to us. And he became very depressed and he lost perspective and he ran away. He left his assistant. He isolated himself and he got to the point where he thought that he was... Um, better off dead and that he was no better than his ancestors and God met with him the enemy attacked but God met with him and he said he said to him Elijah what are you doing here and he repeated all this again I've been very zealous for you Lord I I I I I conquered all this and 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 I I I was great you greatly moved of God um, used of God and then there's, uh, nobody left. Everybody's dead and I'm the only one left. And, you know, like he, he had completely lost perspective and fear and exhaustion had taken over him. And God said, God said to him, the way you came in verse 15, go back the way you came. And he had to retrace the steps that he had run off in fear in fear of the enemy, in and feeling like he couldn't go on in in ministry and and in service for God, and he had to go back to where God had last met with him, and God said, "I will I will meet with you. My presence will pass by you," and and he he was put in a place where um, he was then told to rest, sleep, and eat. And then the, he would do that up again and say, it's time to eat again. It's time to eat. It's time to sleep. 
and to rest. And then God gave him um, new direction and new purpose and a new commission. But God asked him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And even a second time, he said, oh, I was so zealous for you. I worked hard. I did all these things and we had wonderful breakthroughs and then the enemies attacked me and I'm the only one left and they're even trying to kill me too. And But the truth was, if you read the whole passage, that there was a lot of people left. <laughs> it was like over a thousand, God said. You know, it was over a thousand left and there, and the, he was not alone. And the, and the truth was that um, he needed to... Go back to a place where God had loved him and to think again. And I encourage you to do the same. When you're discouraged, when the and then wham, something out of the blue happens that, that you, you're able to, to go back. Like, so when did I last hear from God? Yes, I heard from him. I did the right thing. What I did was God. And I was attacked for it. But um, what's the truth? And you don't have to isolate yourself. You don't have to, um, you know, go down. But it's encouraging to see these great men of God. <laughs> they were human and they suffered the same emotional trauma and um, exhaustion. And meeting with God in, in this place, he, he, um, he listened to him. He asked him the questions, what are you doing here? And he, even though he still didn't, hadn't got it a second time, gave him fresh direction. He met with him. He refreshed him. He naturally and spiritually and emotionally reminded him. At the end of that chapter, he reminded him then of what was actually the truth. Sorting out the truth from lies. Reflective thinking through the word of God and, and time with God helps give you a clear perspective few of us do think in the in the heat of the moment very well um the truth is uh yeah that we do not have to we are not alone we do not have to isolate ourselves God has called you he has called you for this and he will empower you and provide for you what you need there's a scripture in the um, Amplified Bible. It's a well-known one, but one that I have in a place that my eye catches every morning. And it says, Philippians 4 verse 13. Um, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength in me. Do you want to hear that again? I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything. I am equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength. This is the word of God. This is the honey. This is the food. This is the rest that you will sustain you. That will you'll get up and you'll have no perspective and go on. And God has reminded us of this truth in the light of this recent tragedy and then the um, the criticism that came via the social media and it was distorted and they paired things together and we couldn't come out and say, that's not true. That was posted months ago. That was not, you know, that's not true. We had to just zip it and trust God 
and what Peter did an excellent job with the interviews. We had eight reporters, different reporters here on the front lawn on the Tuesday. We were, we were down in Tassie. We had to fly back early and... Um, you know, but they handled it well and we are able to say the truth that people were thinking, hold on, we know those people. That's not, that's not how they operate. That's not true. And then as time has gone on, perspective has taken shape because the modern day media looking for someone to blame. They immediately look for who's at fault. And there is a big investigation. It's going to take, could take two years. But we have to live in this community. We had to sort out the truth and the lies. We had to find the honey in the carcass. We had to say, God, where are you in this? And how can we um, have this inner strength and, and draw on that honey? That, that scripture is just worth having at eye level. I tell you, it's in the little room. <laughs> And that's right at my eye level. And I know that that gives me strength. It gives me honey every day to get up and to and believe God for that inner strength. Before this, before this, um, you know, tragedy came, the same advice to Elijah. What are you doing? What are you thinking? No, go back, go back. So I went back and we looked at what six months prior to this incident, what um, God had said to us through a prophetic word through Michael Maiden um, down at IC Church. There's a big, long prophecy. Michael Maiden is, a, who knows Michael Maiden, the prophetic, he's a very authentic, genuine prophet, modern-day prophet. <laughs> and um, and this is little snippet he said about us. I saw your ministry like a beautiful greenhouse, your church, it, a nurturing greenhouse. And there were all these beautiful, exotic plants just flourishing. People flourish under your ministry because you are healthy. You are emotionally and spiritually healthy. You have created an emotional environment and a beautiful culture. A healthy emotional environment and a beautiful culture. Keep doing the things you're doing and watch what God does. I declare a season of multiplication and I prophesy over your whole ministry. Like reading this again, there was there was a big lot to it, but it helped me get perspective. It helped us see, now this is the truth. And when you have times of attack and criticism, there's always room for improvement. There's always an element of truth in criticism and that is what we own. We own that and I'm going to talk a little bit about how um, to take your experiences and make them a valuable experience. And after reading this, it really helps. But I encourage you to go back over your prophetic words. Go back to the last time that God spoke to you. When the enemy attacks you with lies, or he often will do the opposite. Have you noticed that? He accuses you of the exact opposite of what you are. And the lie is just so ridiculous that, you kind of start second guessing yourself, and and it's being being able to get perspective through the Word of God, through time and resting in His presence, that you get this honey, you get the truth, and it gives you the inner strength to keep going, and to push through. Now, my point five is, um, take your experiences and make it uh, a valuable experience. Um, they say that we learn from experience. 
but not really. What we learn from is evaluated experience. I'll say that again. We learn from evaluated an experience. When you evaluate an experience, um, it, it starts to inform you and it equips you. When you look at um, what you have experienced and you evaluate, okay, what did we do? What could we have done? What would we do differently? What have I learned? And you start to evaluate the whole experience. That also gives you perspective and it gives you the big picture. Sometimes we're not privileged. God is sovereign and he won't tell you everything he's done. You just got to trust him. And you've got to take one step of faith and then find another one, another step of faith. And he will keep empowering you as you take those steps of trust and obedience and faith. That's the faith bit. That you come into by faith, we come into his rest. And um, I will have to keep marching along here because i got way too many notes for this time. So I will keep going. Um, so we are creatures of habit, which is quite funny. We all day, did you know? And men every day. We are very much creatures of habit. And we, we, in order to bring change, uh, we need to evaluate what we're doing and do and put in a new system into place. And so God offers us his confident rest. This is the passage from Hebrews 4, um, 1 to 3. Now God, who has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith... So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we embrace all the fullness of this promise, that we do not fail to experience it. Um, For we have heard the good news of deliverance, just as they did. It's talking about the children of Israel. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, and they doubted. But in verse 3, it says, But for those of us who believe... Faith activates the promise and we experience a realm of confident rest. This is the crux of what I'm trying to say. This is when we enter into, um, you know, like it was offered to every single one of us has a choice to enter into this faith rest. And, and for those of us that we believe, who believe, faith then activates the promise and we begin to experience the realm of confident rest. So, um, and the fact remains that it's still offered there. It will refresh me physically, but it will not give you a spiritual rest. But it's necessary all the same. And uh, But God spoke... If it was a destination, he wouldn't have spoken a promise and later in that chapter, a later rest that was to come. So we know that it's more than a destination. And uh, so how do, you, how do we do this? We've got to remove ourselves from distractions. Um, the digital age we live in has great advantages, text messaging and all the quick communication. The disadvantages is that, that we do not live... Um, talking face-to-face. They've discovered now that a lot of young people are developing old necks. Did you see on the news last night where they're crinking because they've been over their phones? They're developing a lump in the back of their neck like they were 60. And that's simply from bending over technical um, their devices. It's crazy. 
And we can't microwave personal growth. It requires a slow cooker. <laughs> this is very much. Okay, so Sabbath rest. How do we do it? Number one, you stop. Number two, you rest. Number three, you delight. And number four, you in- We have got to stop. Switch everything off. Stop. Be intentional about this. Mark it in your diary. Rearrange your, your, your schedule to stop because it's too important. You are too important. You are valuable. God has invested years of love into you and preparation that, that you cannot just um, not stop when you know you should. And like I said, different personalities will uh, recap. But rest, uh, once you've stopped, you need to engage in activity. Sometimes you've literally got to sleep, like Elijah. Eat well, like like the angel fed Elijah. Go read and um, spend some um, creative time, whether you, you know, art, artistry or whatever you do, play an instrument. Do something that is creative. And then um, delight. Accept God's invitation to rest and delight in his creation. This is a big one. We live in a beautiful country. And even in the city, I found there are some beautiful places and um, that where you can delight in what God has created and just let yourself delight in what is around you and enjoy the um, your finished work too. As just God, God celebrated his finished work, we need to celebrate too. Delight in your family and your friends and your loved ones. Have a laugh and enjoy the people in your life. I, I encourage you, if you are married, to delight in the wife of your youth. The husband grows the young ones out. But sexual intimacy does not finish. And you need... <laughs> you, yeah, we need to delight in one another. And the older you get, I found you've got to be more creative because body she ain't works like she used to. <laughs> but don't give up on sexual intimacy. Give, give yourself um, license to, to delight in one another. And, and this is one way that you can safeguard your love, your marriage, your intimacy and and um, and also, you don't become grumpy old men. You've noticed that old people that maintain sexual intimacy are not grumpy. Have you noticed that? I have. <laughs> anyway, I just throw that in there. So we delight. We need to talk about these things. We need to be specific. We need to make decisions and activate um, plans to rest, recover, and to delight in one another. And, and we delight in each other. We delight in the Lord. We delight in him. We start to listen to the music, uh, read the word. Um, sometimes you've got to do all these things before you can delight in him. And then you take time to dream and reflective listening. As, as you start to write down what he's saying, you're listening to the word and you're listening to the songs, write it down. And then you encounter, um, when you, in, um, you come into an encounter time where you accept the invitation to, to see visually, spiritually, you start to dream. You start to, to go out of the natural into the spiritual and you encounter God. And you take that moment to just rest in his presence. Sometimes I have complete silence 
and I just encounter God that way. Other times it's through loud music and worship and, and in the company of hundreds. But you, if you're intentional about it, you'll do it because you need it. You need it as much as I do. We need to stop. We need to rest. We need to delight. And we need to encounter. And we're going to do with that. I'm going to have to skip a whole bunch of notes here. I, I think we got morning tea, but I want to do... I want to do something practical. I like to do practical things with what we're hearing. So, you know, I talked about dealing with the the lies and the truths, but there are also storms and there are shadows. But I want to say this, that no matter what shadow the enemy has put over you, know that those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High, will rest under the shadow of the Almighty. Come on, I'll say that again. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High will rest under the shadow of the Almighty. This is what I'm saying. This is what you need to do. And so what we're going to do, I want you to um, take some time. I'll just quickly recap. The faith rest life is for you. Look for the honey. Reflecting, listening gives you perspective. Take your experience and make it a valuable experience. Don't waste your pain, in other words. Separate the truth from the lies. Deal with the shadows. Remove yourself from distraction. We are in a spiritual warfare. That was the whole part of notes I missed. Partner with the word of God. Develop rhythm. This is what this is. Stop, rest, delight, encounter. Find your rest in him. That you are called, you are chosen, you have been since you were youth. That's not changed. That's a truth. And you sometimes got to go back to where you came from and remind yourself of that fact. I'm called, I'm chosen. I'm equal to anything. He infuses me with his inner strength. I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we enter into this calming rest of his spirit. I have another whole psalm I was going to read. It's beautiful, but have a look at Psalm 23 in the Passion Version. There's your homework. I sound like a teacher, don't I? Okay. Um, There's... um, What I want you to do now is to take five minutes in your seats. Um, If you're seated, make a little space and it's just going to be silent. There's a piece of paper near you and a pen. And I want you to write just to have personal time between you and God. I don't want you to talk to your friends. and I just want you to have five minutes of just stop and listen and just write down what God says to you personally, just you, not your church. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Baysack Christian Church.